Welcome everyone to Hotline League episode 53. There's so much to talk about on this episode. So much has happened in the past week. Let's see. Cyril won StarCraft 2. Seadu finally got his win in WoW Arena. Uh, Diablo Immortal, that's a really big one. Uh, what else? What else? What else? Uh, there's just a ton of information coming out uh, this week about all sorts of exciting things. I think I think that's it. Was that it? I think that's the only thing that happened this week. I can't remember. But either way, all that and more coming up on Hotline League episode 53. And just a side note, this episode is sponsored by Mystery Sponsor. Can't wait to tell you guys about them. We're getting close. Uh, All that and more coming up next. All right. So on this week's episode, let me go ahead and introduce our guests. First off, my constant co-host, we got Mark Zimmerman. How's it going, Mark? Great. I've been hanging out and uh, I got back from a week-long vacation in NorCal. So I'm excited to be back. Yeah. Very good. And uh, did you get a chance? To, we were talking about this beforehand, but for those that are watching the VOD, did you get a chance to watch Worlds? I did watch Worlds, and it was kind of lame, but luckily there's a lot of drama afterwards that's been fun to keep up on. A lot of drama. Okay. I haven't not been keeping lot, up on the drama as much. Eh, it's not like a, anything crazy. Well, it's just like... Well, we can get to into it in a second. I, you can yeah. you can just catch me up on it before we get into calls. Our, our, for the first time ever... We have Licorice on the show tonight as our guest. How's it going, Licorice? I'm doing good. Uh, I'm back in LA. Been playing some solo queue. I can't get to Masters, so that sucks. But apart from that, I've been doing good. Yikes! Uh, what yeah. has? Uh, what have you been doing? Like to just chill out? Is it? Is it just League, or are you doing other stuff? Like because everybody burns themselves out at Worlds, right? And then they come back and they're just like, I just want to chill. It's interesting to hear you're already grinding League again. Yeah, I mean, I've just been playing. I've been playing some solo queue. Been playing some like PlayStation games and stuff too. Um, not too much, honestly. I mean, my sleep schedule is all sorts of uh, messed up right now. So, when did I'm you wake up today? Like, uh, like six hours ago, like two okay. p.m. Yeah, that's a what are you late. playing on PS4? Uh, I've been playing Ratchet and Clank. I used to play them as a kid, and it's been fun. Mm. Not what I thought. The yeah, yeah, that was not what I expected. There's all these big titles that have come out, and you're like. Yeah, you know, Ratchet and Clank, family game, uh, from bringing me back from the well, life. Uh, Zazel wants to know, as he's in chat, he says, are we talking about the, the Shy versus Licorice on this stream? I've heard some rumors. Are there rumors around this, Licorice? Uh, there is a couple unfortunate scrim games with mm. uh, us versus IG. Uh, how did those go? Better than some uh, unfortunate stage games versus them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean... Luckily, we didn't have to play versus them on stage, but uh, the shy is a monster. Yeah, <laughs> that's for sure. He's uh, intimidating. He started as a streamer, I hear. So maybe, maybe you know, this is the beginning of it's. We've seen this over there. What we we haven't been doing in NALCS is we haven't been bringing out the streamers. We need to bring Tyler One onto the stage. That's the lesson from the shy. Yeah, I guess that's what we've been missing out on. Yeah. If NA hasn't been able to utilize the power of streamers correctly, I don't think it's going to happen. <laughs> uh, all right. Uh, Mark, what has been this drama that I've missed out on? Because I, I intentionally, like, I just wanted to stay away a little bit from, like, I watched Worlds. I, like, celebrated it and did the opening ceremony and then was like, all right, this sucks. And then I was just like, okay, I'm just going to walk away from League uh, subreddit for a little bit. So what's what's all the the, the hubbub? Uh, I mean, it wasn't like too much drama, but uh, basically, Young Buck, Fnatic's coach, and as far as I could, one of Fnatic's coaches, obviously Dylan's the other one, but I think he's the head coach and Dylan's the strategic coach, or there's some kind of setup there. Um, 
Dylan's definitely more of the, the guy on stage for big bands, obviously. Anyways, after the C9 and G2 semifinal 3-0 losses, he said something about how uh, C9 and G2 you know, felt like they probably overreached and already hit their goals, so they didn't care, and that's why they lost, is that they weren't hungry enough for Worlds. And then Fnatic went on and got 3-0'd by IG, and so Wonder jokingly uh. tweeted out, like, oh, I guess they just didn't want enough. They were satisfied with where they got. And then, like, Young Buck responded and basically listed out what were essentially a lot of bullshit excuses for why they did badly. Uh, and then it's just been a little bit of drama around that. Nice. And I also saw Nico the Pico trying to take credit for finding a bunch of the players. I saw, I did see that one. That was the one yes. I saw. I, I put out a tweet about what the re- league subreddit has been like yeah. the last three days, and it's basically excuses, claiming success off other people, and uh, KDA, of course. Yeah. Thoughts yeah. on KDA, Licorice? KDA? I actually like the song. I don't know. I mean, have, it's catchy, but... Has C9 decided who's which character in, in the, the group and who's getting left out? Um, we haven't really talked about it yet, but I think Sneaky's all of them. That, okay. That'd be my guess. <laughs> That's a good answer. <laughs> I... Uh, yeah, I'm really. I liked KDA a lot. I liked the opening ceremony, but I've I saw some people tweet out saying that it was cringier than the Overwatch League ceremony. Right, I, it was it was I, Monty. Right? I don't. I mean, I I forget who said it. I I guess I kind of disagree with that. I thought the opening ceremony was pretty fucking epic. Listen, like I can I saw a lot like some complaints about, it, and I see where people are coming from. Where like, uh, you know, maybe I don't know. There was random stuff. Some people came off flat, maybe, and they're they're like presentation or whatever but to compare it to the fucking dj khaled thing is like astronomically worlds apart it's like comparing a regular bad play in football to like the fucking butt fumble which is like all time one of the stupidest looking things it was so it's like uh, i mean i don't know why you'd bring up your own horrible performance back into people's minds i just uh like i for me i really enjoyed it, I thought uh, obviously like it looked a little like there was a couple issues with the AR and you could see that they're like pushing technology and production as much as it possibly can. I'd much rather have them try to do stuff like that than just be like, well, we brought a K-pop art singer on stage and they're going to sing and then that'll be the opening ceremony. Like I actually, I give them, I tweet this out of the time. I give them a ton of props for trying something really unique and cool. Yeah. Yeah, I think like maybe the execution wasn't perfect, but like they did a lot of cool stuff. Yeah, Licorice, did you watch the opening ceremony? What? Because it must be pretty freaking frustrating. You're like, I just was one match away from this, and you see them like levitating towards each other or whatever. Do you watch that stuff, or do you just go like, I don't, I don't want to see this? I, I don't know what my teammates did, but personally, I skipped all the opening ceremony stuff. I did see like a vod of like the AR. Yeah. Uh, of like the video so i do know what you're talking about but i kind of skipped the opening ceremony and then just kind of like watched bits and pieces of the games yeah did you watch the have you at least watched the music video the kda music video yeah, yeah i've seen the music video okay. as well i think the music video is pretty cool uh apparently i'm still loud so i'm gonna turn myself down even more i i it is incredible to me how i can say before the show chat how do i sound everybody's like completely fine and then the moment the show starts they're like you're too loud uh people baiting me um all right uh i'm trying to think if there's anything else i joked obviously about all the the blizzcon stuff but it was a it was a rough finals but a familiar finals because this is how league finals 
often go at Worlds. I'm excited to maybe somebody will call in and, and ask about or has, try to start a conversation about why that is. Uh, Format. Last week we had, yeah, I mean, last week we had uh, one of the Fanatic uh, scouts come on and say that he felt like it was going to be either a 3 or 3 1 because that's just what happens with the, like, eventually everyone figures out you just know who the best team is. But uh, I don't know. It's a Fanatic employed scout came on and said that they were going to get 3 0 or 3 1. They said the, it was, I think his name is Fanatic K's. And he said, we, he said his prediction was that they would 3 1 or 3 0 IG. And then I was like, oh, so you're just saying you're going to win. And then he was like, oh, my prediction is that whoever wins or loses, will it'll be a 3-0 or a 3-1. He kind of backpedaled a little bit. But, yeah, we'll have that to talk about. Uh, anything else that we're missing? Um, I think uh, finals, the Young Buck drama, KDA, opening ceremony, viewership, and tournament format were the things I wrote down as stuff to be potentially talked about. Yeah, I'm just wondering if chat's going to think about anything else. I mean, Chad always thinks about something else. We'll yeah. get someone who's like, do you think yes. Licorice yeah. could have beaten the Shy? Yeah. And we'll talk about it. Alex Sitch retires. Oh, the three Ooh. world's locations. Uh, we know that it's in Europe next year, China the next, and America after. I vote we hold on to that one for the coming dead months. Yeah, well, regardless. Um, I think we can get into it. Licorice, do you know how this show works? I'm guessing you've never seen it. Um, I've never watched an entire show before, but I've okay. seen bits and pieces. Okay. Well, Mark, do you want to <laughs> good save? <laughs> do you want to explain for everybody how this works? Yeah. For people who don't know, the way this show works is it's a live call-in show, and so we have a Discord that I will be spamming in Twitch chat in one second. <laughs> My cat is going crazy. Hold on. Uh, anyway, so uh, you go to join up on this Discord. When you get there. Uh, there is pleb calls and pleb calls too. You need to join one of those voice channels. You can mute yourself once you're in there. Then you're going to go into pleb topics and go ahead and write what it is you want to talk about and try and make it a take if possible. So it's not just, I want to talk about the finals. You can say, I want to talk about how it was obvious that IG was going to poop on Fnatic or something. Uh, If I like your topic, I will pull you into the waiting room where I will come in and do a quick uh, audio test when it's your turn to come on and assuming you pass that you'll be on air and asking licorice and us your question yeah or topic or uh, topic yeah. yeah and we should know by the way it looks like a lot of people are are hoping to call in tonight it's just based off the amount of people that are in the, the check or the call channels uh if you are a subscriber by the way sorry there was an issue syncing i think it should be synced now but uh you can put your topic or question in the subtopic channel uh, which gives you a little bit of an edge on other people uh, because it moves a little slower in there. So there's a better chance. I think that you'll, your topic will get noticed um, by Mark. It's good to have you back, Mark, by the way, it was, it was weird last week without you. I heard a lot of people liked captain flowers enthusiasm for when he pulled people in, but you yeah, he would, he it. would scream that he was scarner ulting. The downside was that at times I would be trying to like, have a conversation or, or shout out subs <laughs> or something. And he'd be like, Scar ulti coming into the channel. Here we go. We got the next person. Lol. And I'd be like, oh, okay. It was hard to keep up sometimes. I mean, some things are just more important than others. You know, yeah, yeah. recognizing our fans is not important. Yeah. Well, <laughs> while we've got that going, uh, Lakers, what's, uh, what do you got planned for the off season? You, you going home or do anything? Um, can't say that I have too much planned. We're doing a pretty short off season. Uh, C Nine's talking about doing like a go uh, a boot camp where we go back to Korea. And, oh wow! Like, 
the end of November. So that's coming up pretty fast. So it's just going to be like, I'll probably go home for a couple of weeks, like see the family. And yeah. Back to LA, play some solo queue and then out to Korea, I think. Are you, is that, I mean, that's kind of, I would be a little scared just about like, well, I guess if you go to Korea for a little bit, it's not that bad because you'll probably still have the holidays off, right? Because I just, I just know you guys like worked like crazy. Then you go to Worlds, then to to come back for a month and then like head back to Korea. I would be like, no, 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 please, no more, no more. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's definitely a lot, um, but I mean, I think that's what we're gonna decide to do. So yeah, well, see you in Korea. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, very good. Back, back once more. Uh, Mark, how are we looking? We got some people. Oh, he's I already playing do, something. Oops, sorry to interrupt. I yeah. need to do the uh, shout out for people who get pulled into the waiting room. If you get moved, you kind of need to unmute your mic or headset so I can actually talk to you guys. Yeah. Just heads up. Specifically, Chippy. All right, pulling, uh, shouting off some names, by the way. Uh, Hobbs2, Will Davis1024, Diablo CG, Zeron824, Lengthy Zimit. Uh, BD Brobst, Bubble TK, Old Guys playing playing Aram, Nozakana, X Silvark uh, for all the subs and the Hill for the uh, five gifted subs. Thank you so much, Nova Prospect, with another uh, and for ten months. Hope I get a chance to talk about Clutch Gaming tonight. I don't I don't know if that's going to happen. Uh, I'm Chippy is here. I'm Chippy. Where are you calling from? I'm calling from Arizona. Arizona. Whereabouts in Arizona? And Gilbert. Okay, I'm not. I should have never asked. I don't know near, where Gilbert is. Near near Tempe by Arizona State University. Okay, okay. Uh, what do you want to talk about on the show tonight? Yeah. Uh, so I wanted to talk about how teams in NA should change the way they, I guess, field their players. So C9 took the first approach to, you know, use their academy players and kind of switch them out. And I was wondering if you guys think that more uh, teams are going to follow in C9's footsteps or not? About uh, using the academy academy as like an extension of the roster, you mean? Yeah. So instead of just doing a five man roster, it's a basically ten man roster. Yeah. I mean, I feel like w- teams have been saying this for a while, right? Like, didn't Echo Fox say that they were going to be doing this? I think in 2017 they claimed that they were going to do this. Uh, yeah. No. Go ahead. Oh, sorry. Uh, the only player they decided to actually implement was Demonte, I believe. Hmm. And I don't know, I feel like it worked out for C9 because they were able to play so many different like styles. Having Jensen and then Blabber was more like, I guess, aggressive, whereas Sven was more like a veteran and they had I don't know, Licorice I guess could talk about that more. But my other like side topic was kinda more how Licorice I was curious on how Licorice was uh dealing with having to play with different players. Uh, each week by week. Sure. I mean, it's a good topic. So licorice, it's been, uh, it's been basically, you know, months and months now of you guys being able to, to work with the Academy and you went through this whole thing in summer. Now that you're looking back, worlds is done. What do you think about that whole experience? Huh? I mean, I think it was super good for C9. Like, I think that if we didn't have those Academy players that we like could pull from, then I don't think we would have like finished the split in second place, gone to finals, gone to worlds. Like I, I don't think like maybe we make playoffs, maybe we go to finals, but I don't think we would have gone to worlds or anything. Um, 
I think the issue you're going to run into with other teams doing it, though, is that, like, we had, like, super good talent to pull from in Academy. Like, our Academy team won Academy Worlds. Um, and, like, all the players on that team are, like, really good. Like, for Academy, they're, like, best in role for the most part, I think. Like, I, I think you can argue that. So, I think it is a solid approach that teams could look at. Like, if they're having like stylistic issues with some players or like like they want to try a different style and that like doesn't suit players i think they can do it but i don't think i think that without the right players in academy to pull from i don't think it's gonna work super well i think that makes sense that it's less repeatable than people want to believe it is because it's such a great success story for this this split in this this year but like the idea that you'll have I mean, you guys have been saying it all the way back since like week one. They're like, oh, we think we have the best 10 man roster in the LCS. Like, guess what? Not everyone can have the best 10 man roster in the LCS. Yeah. I mean, there's definitely like standout players in Academy that you could look to like swap in and out uh, with LCS players. Like, Wiggly would come to mind as someone who like saw some playtime at the very end of summer and he looked pretty strong in his showing. And like, maybe he'll see more time next year. But. I think that for the majority of Academy players, I don't see it working that well. Uh, Chippy, what do you what do you think about that? Is it is it not repeatable, or do you think that there's some way that teams should approach it, or should they try to approach it anyway? I mean, what what do you think? Is it is it does seem like C9 might be an exception to a rule here? Um, I think I feel like more teams can do it. I think that some teams are scared for some reason, like. Uh, when CLG got Wiggly, I feel like they should have tried to implement him way sooner. Like, he showed so much promise in Academy, and most people were saying, like, he has potential, like, he's really good. And they were already pretty much out of playoff contention, like, more or less. So they might as well have tried him. I don't know why they, they didn't. Yeah, I think CLG is an example of a team that probably could have should have done that earlier. I mean, another example would be Echo Fox is a team that eventually brought up DeMonte and lost from their Academy team over the course of the year, um, but didn't really see any sort of improvement despite those roster moves, really. So I think uh, teams could try more, but I don't think, you know, it's just as, as simple as like, actually, like, like you actually need to find the right players to then try and make these moves with versus just, every team should be making these moves like golden guardians would not have been improved bringing anyone from their academy roster up to their main roster even though their main roster was the 10th place team yeah yeah i mean my hope is that people take i mean mark you've been shouting this in the rooftops for a while that people take scouting grounds and sort of the off-season opportunity to scout talent very seriously this year because it does seem as though there's a ton i mean licorice it on the show right now is a testament to the fact that there's a ton of talent uh, sort of being waiting to be moved up to LCS, or seemingly there, there looks like there is. So uh, it's really an interesting time, I think, for for the league. I don't know, uh, Licorice, if you have any other final thoughts on that. I mean, do you, Licorice, do you think that there are? Are you aware? I mean, you're playing. Are there other players out there like waiting to get like grabbed? How special and up? are you? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm one of a kind, man. There's, there's no one else. Like, <laughs> I don't know what else to say. <laughs> um, seriously though, um, I mean, sometimes I play solo queue, and then there's like players that stand out to me. I couldn't name any off the top of my head right now. Um, 
I mean, you should tell their names to Jack. I think maybe not name them right now. Don't don't do the (laughs) scouting for the other teams. Probably. Um, I mean, when I was first like joining Challenger, I noticed like Blogger as a player. I I think I like mentioned him in like an AMA I did at the time about how I thought he was actually like really good for a solo queue player. So there are like solo queue players out there who like show promise for sure. Um, And I think teams can look to pick them up and maybe use them in like maybe not 10 man rosters, but just like split time rosters between academy and lcs um i mean i think it's doable for most teams maybe to like get some benefit out of using their subs but i just think that putting in subs and then expecting to like have instant success go to second place and like do well in playoffs like i don't, I don't think that's a thing yeah i think it's also also worth knowing that like licorice and the rest of those e united like rookies from like two years ago people have kind of was it two years ago or just one year? I forget. But people have kind of had their eye on you guys for a while. And, like, it's no surprise that, like, everyone said you guys were going to be great. And then Zazel and you are beasting and definitely had a pretty good year, all things considered, on Golden Guardian. So, like, it's even though, you know, to the casual viewer, like, maybe Licorice kind of came out of nowhere. I think people who are very involved in, in watching the Academy scene and Challenger scene would have seen this kind of coming. Yeah. Hmm. Hey, thank you so much, Chippy, for the call. Anything you want to shout out at the end here? I actually just wanted to ask Licorice um, how he felt, just like one quick question, uh, how it impacted him playing with different people because like, he wasn't subbed out much or at all, but everyone else was. So, like, Does that impact you personally? Um, I think it actually made me like step up more because I think I had to. I mean, I was joking around uh, a lot of the time that I was like, technically the veteran c9 player since like i've been playing the most concurrent days like at that time um so i mean i had to be a lot more of a leader like in game so i I think it helped me as a player a lot uh just to play with like all these different players and like they all like play slightly differently and calm slightly differently so i just made sure i was like really consistent yeah was that a a bit like any part of a sore topic that sneaky loss is like consecutive record or consecutive streak like it got broken um i mean i saw a couple posts about it on like the cloud nine subreddit which was uh not the nicest place to be at the time (laughs) on fire (laughs) yeah a little bit um but i I never heard anyone talk about it like in person or in the house feels like sneaky's because like one of the least likely to get upset about something like that i just i can literally imagine him shrugging right now while he addresses it anyway thanks so much chippy (laughs) Thank you. You guys have a good one. Have a good one. All right. Moving on to the next caller. Let's see. Anarchy, Adam, Adman, the Wolf, Jay Hannigan, 70, Pumas, 91, Admiral, 509, Arrow, Tempest, Real Foxy, 1 for 12 months. Wow. Year. Thank you. Uh, Real Foxy, 1 for 12 months. And they also gifted a sub to League of Emily, Fluxboy, 6, Harrington, V5. And then Shorn is on the show. Shorn, where are you calling from? Hi, Travis. I'm calling from uh, Trumbull, Connecticut. From where, Connecticut? Trumbull. Trumbull. I didn't even know. I've never heard of Trumbull. That sounds like a dating app. Yeah. Yeah. It's new New York. The best parts of Tinder and Bumble all move together in Trumbull. Um, So what do you want to talk about? I guess so. Good answer. What do you want to talk about on the show tonight? I'd like to talk about introducing a loser's bracket into the world's format where you have the group stage and the play-ins, like they all stay the same. However, once you get 
like through groups, the third seeded team is going to go into a losers bracket, and then the same top eight is going to go into a top eight winners bracket. So you're going to have a like a twelve team uh, bracket overall, so that we could see more games. And for a team that's having an off day, they get the opportunity to play best of fives, as well as a team that you know might struggle in best of ones but might perform in best of fives, like historic TSM. They might be able to perform a little bit better. This is the the TSM second chance idea. This is uh, this well, is what I'm hearing. Not ex- snuck it in at the end. Instead of talking about TSM, uh, we could talk about a team like Vitality, which showed huge promise, yeah. which I think everyone would have loved mm-hmm. to see in a best of five. And we kind of lost the opportunity to see that, and it kind of felt bad. Yeah, who did, whose fault was it that we didn't get to see them anymore? Uh, it was a mixture between theirs and Cloud Nine's. Yeah, well, I was just I was making a joke for Licorice. Um, <laughs> Cloud Nine is awesome in those series, though, in those games, rather. Okay, so Shorn, do you want to see more games? Uh, I'd love to. If if you add the losers bracket in the way that at least I've said, you get, I believe, nine more series. So like, I understand that the broadcast hours is kind of rough, but considering that Worlds is stretched over five weeks, I feel like there is the time slots to do it. So I don't Ma- know. Mark, would there's you a, like to see? There's I'd- a total of seven series in Knockout Stage. You're more than doubling it with your losers bracket idea. Yeah, I mean, uh, I, I I feel like we don't get the opportunity to see many teams play, and it kind of feels bad. Like a team works for the entire year, they get third seed going three and three with like a fifty percent win rate in groups, and they still don't get to play best of five at Worlds, and that feels really bad. Yeah, I mean, I, I know what you're saying. Um, for me, I think you the only way something like this ever flies is like, you actually just kind of say fuck it to some of the broadcasts because it's, it's like not that possible to do. Like you'll need to split it up, either have two streams or something like that. And there's actually just in the knockout stage alone, I'm pretty sure there's 10 days where just no games are played. So there is like the time day wise. And I understand you could even bring more casters in because we know that there is more caster talent, but I feel like it's extremely doable and it's not like a huge shift, like switching to the TI format but rather, like, it's kind of like a middle ground where I think it's doable. They pr- it probably won't happen. Is, but is it okay? It are, you, awesome. are you willing to sacrifice uh, the different locations for Worlds and, like, the stadiums, right? Like, and so, what if I told you that all of Worlds had to be played out in Busan in that one arena underneath uh, this? Because th- those days that you're referencing that are where there's no games going on, those are days where, like, the entire production is moving to a new location and getting set up. Yeah, I understand. Uh, In the event that you had to drop more locations, I'd be fine with it personally, because I want the tournament to be the most competitive that it can be, not like it to be just the most entertaining uh, per, like, stream. That makes sense? Because I feel like the the Riot broadcast right now, it's, like, a lot of value per stream, but it's not as competitive as possible. Yeah, and I think... Did 100T come in third? Yeah, yeah. I don't know if I. It's more competitive if Hunter T gets to face off in the losers bracket <laughs> you, against like a Vitality. Seen, but you would have seen them play versus Vitality. Vitality play versus like Flash Wolves, and then one of those teams or both those teams rather, I think, get to go on. Where it's like you get to see teams that might have the chance to do something, actually do something, or like KT for example, who had a very close set with IG. You get to see them play like either Cloud Nine, G Two, EDG, and it would have been really hype, I think. And then I don't think. If, Sorry? I was going to say, I don't think anyone disagrees with, like, it's always enjoyable to see more teams play and stuff like that. Like, I don't think that's much of the argument. It's just, 
is this the right, like, what are the problems with the world's format that you're trying to fix with this? And uh, what, you know, what are the costs, right? And doubling, so, well, I'm, I'm just saying, like, from what I can tell, you're somewhat fixing the problem that every world seems to have, whereas the finals might not have the, the best two teams in it. It seems like we get that problem relatively frequently. Um, and it also gives teams more more eyeballs, right? Arguably. But it comes at doubling the knockout stage cost, which is probably too high of a, of a thing to, to take, realistically. Well, another thing is, uh, I think that wasn't exactly considered, is the money that the teams get. I'm not sure how much of an impact like they really feel. But for example, like 2016, where H2K gets to be uh, like top four, they're getting a huge part of the uh, world's prize pool, where they might not exactly deserve the ranking as top four. So therefore, they shouldn't be given that sort of compensation. <clears throat> Licorice, what do you think about all this stuff? Um, I mean, if you play more games, you're also going to be sacrificing a lot of like the meta shift that usually happens at Worlds. Because with the way it's so spread out right now, you play like one best of five, then there's a, a weak gap where you're scrimming a bunch of teams. You're going to come out with like new champions and like new picks, new counters, and like change the meta a little bit because you like see the meta evolve like throughout Worlds, and then. Like, if you cut into scrim time by, like, shoving more games together, then it's going to be different for the players. And then also, I just think, like, like maybe if you move everything in the knockout stage to, like, best of three, and then loser's bracket is best of three, and then the finals is best of five, maybe you can fit it in better. But, well, I mean, honestly, actually, you're playing a you lot have, already. So If you have the losers in a best of three, that's fine, too. But, uh... Also, if you have the losers games, like loser bracket games in between the weeks where the winner bracket teams play, then the teams that are winning are getting rewarded a lot because they get the extra practice time, where a team that's losing still gets a second opportunity. However, they're losing days of practice. So it's not like it's so bad for them because they still get a second opportunity to play. Like, would, would you have liked to play G2, for example, at this tournament? And let's just say even play for just a third place. I mean, they could do that without... A new format. They just add like a third place match. I'm actually curious about this, Lakers, because I saw some people talking about it. Would you have liked to have played a third and fourth place match? Because my assumption is when a team realizes they can't make finals, they're like, fucking send me home. I'm done with this shit. Yeah. I mean, like now, since it's all over, I've had like a couple weeks to like come down from Worlds. Like, I'd say like right now, I'd like to play G2, but I think right after we lost, like, we just wanted to go home. Like as soon as you lose, then like you're you're pretty much done for the most part. Yeah, I feel like that I match wouldn't be very good. That plus the fact that, um, once again, what's the point of worlds? It's to crown the best champion in the world, right? And like the third fourth place match is essentially an exhibition match at that point. And I don't think anyone. You might have fans who would enjoy watching the games of it, but there's no stakes. Really, unless you're talking about like getting more money t- at some point, but I think the average viewer, not people on this show, not people who frequent Reddit, probably, but a lot of other viewers probably actually don't really care that much about the third, fourth place match. Well, that's why my like favorable solution would still be the losers bracket because right. the third place team is going to be the team that's lost losers finals. Exactly. So yeah. I, I, like it ups the stakes every game, and then. Uh, up until the finals, like every team that's playing has had stakes, you know? Yeah, I, I agree. I think their fourth place match should never happen. But if you did introduce a, a loser's bracket, different story. Um, yeah. 
I guess I'm just still not sold on double elimination. I, I understand conceptually how it's cool. I just haven't yet to hear an execution of it that makes me feel excited. I think for me, this is going to change it a little bit, but like the problem with the world's format right now, the biggest problem with it by far is leaving group stage, treating all one and two seeds as the same strength, uh, which happens from the, the group format. And that is where you get these like really weird brackets sometimes that leads to really lopsided matchups that get to the finals and stuff like that. The fact that like KT and IG are the same as Afrika when like anyone with eyeballs knows that's not true. Um, but you know, you can't rig it. You can't like get people's opinions. You just have to do the, the drawing the way they do. Whereas I think format changes that would fix the tournament bracket are best approached by changing group stage in some way to result in better seating uh, post group stage. Could you you fix the seating before groups beforehand? Like, because that's one thing too is that like Group D very clearly was much stronger than some of the other groups. Well, wait, wait. doesn't doesn't a loser's bracket kind of fix what you're saying though? Like for example, like a freaker they fall off the map or whatever, right. and then the KTIG like turn like game that happened, they would have just played two weeks later in the finals. Let's I, like, I, say they're the best teams there. Absolutely. Loser's bracket does fix it, but you are introducing nine extra series to fix a problem that I think you can fix in other ways that are less uh, disruptive to the overall tournament format that doesn't require a complete reimagining of how it looks. Um, that's that's my position. Not that loser's bracket doesn't fix the problem, but that it uh, attacks it in a, a huge, overly aggressive way. Could, could I ask then, if Riot were to implement the uh, loser's bracket would you see that as a positive change from where they're at now? Even though it's not perfect. It, it 100% depends on execution for me. And I assume that's what most people are going to say. Um, I think that's what it probably is going to come down to for most people. Licorice, any thoughts on any of this before we move on? Um, I mean, a loser bracket, it's a lot of work. And I can see why I wouldn't want to do that. Like The only other solution I can think of, and I, I really haven't thought about this a lot because like, I mean, I just play. Like, I, I play the matches I'm told to play, and then, like... Yeah, it's the really, pro like, player life. Anytime you ask yeah. a pro player about, like, a broad a broad issue with the industry, they're like, I don't know, dude, I gotta go scrim. I'll talk to you later. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> could, I, could I ask just one, one more thing real quick? So, like, if you added this bracket in, you're losing a lot of scrim days. Would you be happier, like, as a player, playing more games that matter throughout your time, like, let's say, in Korea, than not? Because, like, a lot, scrim games, I know they... Like they help you learn, but they don't actually like matter in the same sense. They don't have stakes, so you'd replace the games with like low stakes with higher stakes. Um, I think that if the worlds is gonna take like like I think we were in Korea for like a month and a half. I, I think if it's gonna take that long, then like I'd probably rather not play more games since like I'm already there so long that it's just gonna be like an insane amount of pressure if I'm playing like two matches like for my life every week. And then, but it's like still gonna last the same time frame. Like that's that's just gonna be a lot of league. Interesting. Hey, uh, Shorn, any final yeah. thoughts here on the way out? Uh, not too much. You guys, you guys do like produce really great content. I really appreciate it. Hey, thanks, hey, thanks for calling call in. Man. You had a good good topic for sure. Yeah, ho- hope to talk to you guys soon. Yeah, have, right, you. have a good one. Bye. So, Travis, I'm yeah. gonna force you to listen to to my solution. Okay. You go back to two groups. There's seven teams in them. Each team plays every other team 
one time in the group. So you, each team is still playing six games the same way they play six Wait, games. Wait, so right sorry. Uh, there's seven teams in each of these groups, so 14 teams total? 14 teams total instead of 16. But you get the same. You get 42 games over the course of the schedule as opposed to 48, if I did the math right. Uh, and everyone plays each other one time. And the way the seeding for these works is like LPL 1 on Group A, LPL 2 in Group B, and LPL 3 in Group a as well and then okay. you do the same thing with the lck so basically you'll have the one in the three seed from the two most dominant regions uh europe and na get one seed in one two seed in the other um you have the lms one seed uh the uh vietnamese one seed and then play in teams so there's a total of five teams in each group and then the play in stage pretty much plays the same way and then instead of getting seeded into two teams two brackets they get four teams that get seeded into those two to round up the final ones Two groups of seven, so you still play six games, same time frame. Best of ones are pretty unsatisfying, though. Right, but you play best of ones already. You just play them days apart. Oh, I see what you're saying. Right, so instead of playing a a double round robin, you play a single round robin, but you're playing more different teams. So you're still Mm -hmm. playing six games, but you'll have more teams in your group. The reason that this fixes the seeding problem is because when you leave groups, three teams get cut and four teams move on, but they are now seeded one, two, three, four. Right, and yeah. The team is seeded one, two, three, four, and you get to actually get matchups based off that. Instead of getting four one seeds and four two seeds, you get two one seeds, and then the one and the four play, and the two and the three play, and the three and the two play. I need a whiteboard. Uh, All right. Yeah. Thank it's you. pretty simple, actually. It works out pretty well. Anyways, I'll shut up now. Twitch chat hates my idea. I mean... If I was to change that a little bit, I'd make it so, like, instead of it just being, like, LCK3 and LPL3, you'd... Oh, wait, what? Did I? No, no, I'm, you're here. I can still hear you. I'm here. Okay, okay, okay. Um, instead of doing LPL3 and LCK3, like, maybe you just do, like, the play-ins bracket, but you put LCK3 and LPL3 in as well, and then, like, you just do... Instead of four teams making it out of play-ins, you'd only have two. Oh, Where, shit. like, the two winners from but each then side would just... would you have like, made it out? Maybe. I mean, I'm not sure. But, I mean, if you're going to do that format, I think just you're going to run into, like, huge issues if you're trying to just, like, say a blanket statement, like, LCK is stronger than LPL. Right. Or, like, LPL is stronger than NA or EU. So, without doing that, I think that adjusting the plans would be, like, the best fix. Vladimir has joined the channel. Vladimir, where are you calling from? St. Louis, Missouri, where... uh United Clark, he says hi to Licorice and Zazel back when they used to be on his team. All right, very good. What would you like to talk about on the show, Vlad? Uh, I was one of the five MasterCard players who was allowed to play on the stage um, the day before World started, and it seems like a lot of people haven't touched on uh, the sponsors this year for Riot and the people that showed up big box for the uh, LCS to continue, I guess you could say. Wow. Oh, this is awesome. I didn't, it's so cool to have you on the show. Uh, so mm-hmm. how did, can you explain how that, that works? Yeah. So MasterCard tweeted out that um, they were selling priceless experiences about worlds and you could pay to watch the rehearsal before it even happened or play a game on stage against other writers. And we actually ended up having shocks on our team. Okay. So they turned it into a MasterCard I'm commercial sorry, and put it out everywhere. <laughs> Wait, you said they turned it into what? Commercial. Uh, they put it on Facebook, Twitter, all those um, 
they ended up Social shooting a professional stuff. commercial with us and uh, putting it out there and saying, oh, you know, MasterCard supports League of Legends, et cetera. That's cool. Okay, so so you just, you're a MasterCard holder and that's how you were able to do it? Yeah, you had to pay a small fee um, and then they gave you like a gift basket. There was meetings with um, MasterCard professionals and we were allowed access the day before backstage, which I can't really talk about, and then to the VIP booths where um, Acer Predator um, executive board was there and uh, the MasterCard reps were there as well. Did you did you get to watch with any like VIP people? Uh, I can't talk about that, um, but oh. it was pretty cool. Uh, we were but, allowed to talk about, but you uh, so you can't just, see if you watch with any pro players or anything like that. There's an NDA on certain stuff that I can't talk about. Oh, interesting. Okay, but you, can you say you had? Did you have a good time watching at, from the VIP area? <laughs> yeah, uh, we actually also were able to sit underneath the stage when the uh, players went over it. Oh. So we had, you were one of those yeah. people and the uh, beneath the levitating thing. Right. So they had a separate little area of like 30 seats for all the MasterCard uh, people. And um, even the day before we were introduced to like Fnatic walking by shocks ended up playing on our team. As I said, saw dash for a bit and uh, they just had different esports personalities come and say hi to us and thank us for uh, supporting league. Did, did they know that you, did you know that the stages were going to like, Go over the top of you? Yes. Okay. Uh, we had to sign a uh, thing saying if it fell on top of us, uh, then <laughs> they were not held liable. Did you, did, you look at, did you look at the form and you're like, I, uh, okay, I'll sign it, I guess. Like it was, yeah, it was, it was one of those things. Um, and then what ended up happening, I guess, is um, they had free, MasterCard had hired some freelancing uh, photographers. Yeah pictures and videos of us playing games and they just ended up turning it into an advertisement okay all right well that's really cool hey i'm uh, at the very least i'm glad you called in just because i had no idea what that experience was like and also i was like who are these people with the stages going over the top of them uh that's all pretty cool okay so uh sorry getting more into your topic though uh mm-hmm. what what specifically did you want to discuss about it um so it was sort of hard to tell by the live stream um, but we got to watch rehearsals the day before that happened multiple times, both with and without pyrotechnics and certain, uh, teams on each rehearsal, like Fnatic did the first rehearsal, IG did the second. And, uh, one of the main criticisms was that rise sounded really bad. Yeah. The singers came out in like sweatpants and they killed it. It was much better. Um, and when it went live the next day, basically all of the MasterCard holders were wondering why it sounded so bad. We actually thought that there was something wrong with the uh, microphones at first. Like a lot of people got the uh, the best when that happened, essentially. Uh, interesting. Okay, so you but your general topic is about just the sponsorship in the scene. Yeah. So um, there was a lot of there was a whole separate VIP area where Riot were entertaining people um, from the industry from both Acer and MasterCard. And so they had their own little, and that was like under security and had a bunch of gaming chairs and like snacks and all that where um, they essentially got to say, thank you for coming out. You know, look at how many people showed up. Let's turn this into a PR opportunity. Yeah. But I did a lot. Vlad, what's your, your topic though? What's your take? 
But it's just that Riot constructed a whole thing for their sponsors rather than just giving them seats and saying, okay, and that they like had a full section for sponsors. So it shows that they're taking sponsorship of the NALCS seriously, that they would construct their own little building for just sponsors. Yeah. That's pretty cool. So, uh, yeah, I, this is exciting to me because I heard, uh, back at worlds several years ago that riot was like, not great at working with their partners, essentially like that. They didn't really take care of them that well. And it was just like, not a priority at all. Um, so hearing from your account that like there was a pretty premium experience for the partners at worlds, that's a good thing. And I know a lot of people in, uh, in chat or whatever might be like, Oh, it's kind of boring. Who cares about sponsorship or whatever? But like, this is the stuff that's actually really important right now to the league because, uh, I, I'd been concerned for a while that like riot just hadn't really been building out any kind of this experience for partners and, these are the ways that you kind of keep sponsors happy and keep them around as you give them good experiences and deliver on value. So I don't know, Mark, if you have any thoughts on that. No, I mostly pulled this one for you because I knew you would, you would enjoy it yeah. as much as chat hates it because they <laughs> hate important things and they just want to hear licorice talk about sneaky's cosplay. Yeah. <laughs> no, but I mean, it's, it's pretty cool to, uh, to hear that for sure. Um, I don't know. Licorice, did you, uh, I guess it, I'm trying to think if there would have been any sponsor elements or anything for you to take part in before uh, at Worlds, but I guess most of it was probably at Finals, right? Yeah, I mean, as a player, I, I can't say that I noticed anything special or different. I yeah. mean, for plans, there was like the Acer Predator booths, probably had those at groups as well, but I didn't yeah. see them there. Um, I'm, actually, I'm actually kind of surprised that they didn't like advertise this experience more, because this is like... I mean, I knew there was like a MasterCard thing that you could like sign up for, Yeah, but... I didn't really know the specifics. I mean, maybe maybe I missed it, but I didn't really hear much. So maybe maybe there's gonna be something coming about coming out about that, like your Mastercard, like League of Legends experience, like some sort of video or something. But yeah. uh, it sounds pretty cool, and yeah. I'm happy that they're actually like doing a lot for sponsors. That's awesome. Hey Vlad, thanks so much for calling in. I, I it's actually really cool that you got to share that, and it sounds like such a cool experience. Thanks a lot for having me on. Yeah, have a good one. Um, all right, on to the next caller. Are we on to the next caller, Travis? Oh. Are we? Speaking of sponsors, speaking of sponsors, guys, I have to tell you something. It's mm-hmm. time for me to finally fess up. I know I have episode after episode, you've been curious about this. You've been wondering my take. You've been wondering what the deal is with the sponsor. I can finally tell you. I'm so excited about the sponsor, guys. Whenever whenever the mystery sponsor finally gets announced, you guys are going to be like, wow, that was so totally worth it. It's so great that like you were able to, to have that sponsor support you and Mark on Hotline League for the past couple of weeks. It's so awesome. Uh, it's, it's still not Tidy Cats. Everybody always thinks it's Tidy Cats. Uh, but there's going to be a, a pretty cool announcement. They make a great product. We're doing some cool stuff with them. You know what? I'll, t- I'll tease this. I'll tease this. It's not just Hotline League. That's why that's why this has taken a bit longer to get this sorted. But uh, it's going to be broader than a Hotline League sponsorship. I'm probably not supposed to say that, but uh, it's going to be it's going to be cool. It's also nothing to do with cats, everybody. I'm yeah, sorry, it's not cats related or um, anything illicit, like some of you guys are thinking. Anyway, <laughs> uh, thank you uh, so much to our mystery sponsor for their continued support. Mark, you want to go pull the next person? 
Actually, I want to ask a question. I didn't pull this person in time. I think they left. Uh, but Enoxy had been spamming for quite a while. Who does he think is the better player, Licorice? Uh, uh, what, who does Licorice think is the better player? The Shy or Rookie? Both of them are obviously mechanical gods and a clear cut above others, but it felt like the Shy was styling a little bit harder uh, in the finals. But a lot of people generally consider Rookie the better player. So what does Licorice think? Who's the better player? I don't know, man. Um, I, I actually kind of wonder if like they would know who the better player is because I'm sure they practice like a lot of their champions are super similar, so they probably practice against each other. I'd be super curious to be able to like watch what that looks like. Um, I mean, you scrimmed against uh, IG a little bit, right? Yeah, we, we did scrim them a bit. Uh, watched them play throughout Worlds. Who got slapped harder, you or Jensen? Wow, that's a that's, that's a tough one. <laughs> <laughs> it was really close. <laughs> it was, it was uh, yeah, it was pretty close. <laughs> um, I think I'd have to say that the shy is better, just because like he was able to like solo carry more games. It felt like both in like semis and finals. So I think that. In the world's tournament, he had a better performance, but I'm not sure if I'd say he's like the better player, like straight up. Mm-hmm. Cool. Sorry to Anoxy who did not get to ask that one, but no, we need more Lakers questions and topics. We need to get get him more involved here. This is a problem whenever you have a pro player on, people call in. They're like, "I want to talk about league format changes," and I'm like, uh, <laughs> "Pro players, like, I just want to scrim. All right, <laughs> just want to play League of Legends." Uh, all right. Let's uh, shout out some folks. Thank you to Ricky Tick, Ticky Talk for 1,000 bits. Uh, rolling, rolling, bowling ball, who gifted a sub to Zazel. Hi, Rook for 1,000 bits. Zazel, who gifted a sub back to Roland Bowling Ball. That's cute. Uh, Crynopsa uh, for three months. Ask Licorice what is the best path to get noticed by teams as a solo queue player. What's the best path to get noticed by teams as, teams as a solo queue player, Licorice? Um, I mean, it's like fairly obvious. I mean, my answer is going to be fairly obvious. And I know like you're hoping for like some super mysterious answer, like work on your macro and like stream and like get yourself out there and like guides. But really, it's just going to be play a lot, get as high as you can on the ladder and then like go to scouting grounds is like the number one way to get noticed right now. Yeah, because teams actually take it pretty seriously. Yeah. All right. Uh, Jazzy is here, and Jazzy, I believe you've been here before. Uh, no, I haven't called before, but I was oh. always in the uh, channel. Okay. Well, hey, welcome to the show. Thanks for being a Twitch sub. Uh, what do you want to talk about on the show tonight? Oh, sorry. Actually, where are you calling from? Uh, I'm calling from uh, Miami. Miami. Nice. Where, did you go to finals in spring? No. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> what? No. What do you? <laughs> such a, such a Why are you laugh. laughing at him, dude? That's fucked up. No, but he. La- I'm laughing because I heard him laugh. He's like, no, yeah. no. As if like you just did. You want to go? Uh, sort of, but I just didn't have time. Okay, well, Jizzy, what do you want to talk about on the show tonight? Uh, I have a, a spicy uh, take. Um, my take is, I say the entire right side of the uh, knockout stage bracket is better than finale. The entire right st- side of the knockout stage bracket was better than Fnatic. Yes. So RNG, IG, KT, and KT is all better than Fnatic. 
That's your yes. Uh, I'm going to let Licorice handle this one because he's yeah, let's the get, let's most... Let's let Licorice step on this landmine. He's the most qualified person <laughs> to address this. That, that is a him. very aggressive take. Um, I mean, maybe. I, if you're going off of like pure strength, I'd say that G2 should have been weaker than Fnatic like, in a straight-up like matchup. And then also, I would say that G2 also upset RNG. So if you're going to like say that rng is stronger than Fnatic. it's like a bit of a weird take to say because they lost to g2 and like if you're saying like rng is a really strong team you're looking at it like before knockout stage even started and they're like favorites to win the tournament like yeah sure they're stronger than Fnatic, but they lost so and they didn't look that strong when they lost so saying they're stronger than a Fnatic is a bit weird um IG and KC, yeah, probably. But even even um, Fnatic said they could like RNG is one of the teams that could beat, and they always have like a mental block against RNG. Uh, I mean, I don't really know too much about that, but I think that just based off like how the tournament went, that saying that RNG, who looked weak in a best of five and lost, could take Fnatic down is kind of weird. And then the same with, I mean, G2, like they, they did lose in finals in summer. So based on that, like Fnatic should be stronger, but I mean, it might be close. But G2 improved a lot and they didn't lose as badly to IG as Fnatic did. But Technically they lost 40 seconds faster. They're 40 seconds worse than Fnatic. Licor- Licorice. Uh, what do you, you scrimmed the other side of the bracket, like based off of your, I assume, based off of your experiences, like what did you think Fnatic was scarier than the other side? I mean, you, I don't know if you were like trashing G2, but then I know it's scrims, but I don't know if you were trashing G2 and then Fnatic, you know, beats you guys pretty handedly. Like, does that, I don't know. I mean, unfortunately, I don't know too much about the strength of teams since uh, we were actually avoiding G2 in scrims. We scrimmed IG a couple times and then we were scrimming mainly, mainly Korean teams as well just to like make sure there was like no risk of like I, I don't want to say think? like yeah like I mean I mean that that is the reason why like I'm not going to say they are going to do it but if you can avoid the possibility of like two players hanging out over food and like casually talking about like champion counter picks then like you'd want to avoid that. So yeah, I, I don't know too, too much about the strength of like G2 going into semifinals or the strength of Fnatic. But I mean, we were cheering when we found out that we were on the left side of the bracket. So I will say the left side did look a lot weaker than the right side. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean like uh, the right side, let's say there are four tournament favorites through it, you know, like RNG, KT, IG and Fnatic. One side had three tournament favorites. One side had one. No yeah. offense to C9, but like that, like going into the tournament, you would have said that. And then watching the tournament, the team that was the closest to IG through the knockout stage was KT. And maybe, maybe RNG flops and they're actually not a tournament favorite because they got beaten by G2. Mm-hmm. Still has two to one, right? I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I'm not going to argue that the left side is stronger than the right side. I'm just going to say that saying that the entire right side was stronger than like, 
fanatic is probably not true. I call it crazy. Mm-hmm. I think uh, Fnatic was probably the third best team at Worlds. Um, I would say KT is probably better. You're not going to be able to ever prove this to anyone because there's no real evidence for that other than like KT play IG closer, but transitive property <laughs> is like a weird thing to talk about. But I think just in terms of like watching them play, K- KT did look actually really good. Yeah. Jay-Z, any final thoughts on the way out? Oh, no, no. That was just a, a spicy take. Just trying to throw it out. No, no, it was good. It was good. I appreciate it. Thank you so much. Oh, no problem. All right. Uh, we've got some more callers to go. Moving through folks quickly tonight. Uh, Smeems. Somebody says I, I missed their uh, resub. I don't think I did. Uh, let's see. Krynopsa. Smeems. Event Nexus for nine months. Big angry hobo for five months. Uh, do you think the West will have a similar amount of success next year? Uh, Lakers, do you feel like you revitalized you and and Fnatic and G two revitalized the hopes of the West in this tournament? I think that it looks a lot closer than it's ever looked before, but I still think there's like a lot we need to fix before we're actually there as like a world's contender to actually win. Yeah. Um. Like, in the last week of scrims, like I said, we were scrimming, like, Korean teams, like, the Korean teams that didn't make it into Worlds, like, Kingzone, Griffin, uh, Damwon, which uh, I think some of the Fnatic players were even talking about as, like, looking like a really strong team. But those three teams looked, like, a lot stronger than a lot of the teams at Worlds even did, so... Yeah. I What I miss? I think that there's still a long ways to go, but... I think it helps like very much with like everyone's mental outlook on like, yeah, like the gap isn't that big, and we could actually like have an impact at Worlds. Yeah, did like you just mental did thing. you just hype the uh, that challenger Korean team and Griffin? Yeah, Griffin, Kingzone, and Damwon were like the three teams we were scrimming. Yeah, uh, leading into semis, and they all looked like stronger than Worlds teams. Basically, sorry to cut off Russian, who's about to ask a question, but no offense, did those scrims go well? No. Do you think that the fact that you didn't have a team that you could beat that you were scrimming, did that negatively impact your performance, do you think? Yeah, no, no, for sure. I mean, we were, like, leading into semis, we were getting, like, clapped in every scrim game. And, like, we were just having, like, really poor quality Wait, practice. But I thought you guys said scrim's going well. Can't. Yeah, that was a... Uh... <laughs> that was a <laughs> That was an XD. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, it's just, it, it came out. That was a, a yeah. Because you guys, because Zazel said you guys are a very like scrim results focused team. Yeah. Maybe in the future, Jack needs to just pull like five random guys from solo queue and let you guys beat up on them. And then, yeah. and then be like, oh, look, you guys are doing so great. Go conquer the world. <laughs> I mean, we were, we were joking about that a bit. We actually uh, flex queued a couple of games before the finals <laughs> just so we could. Uh, <laughs> Have a positive experience together. Um, you, you yeah, win I mean, those. Uh, yeah, we, we we did win those. We uh we took them down. <laughs> Thank God. Well, all right. Well, I think it's, I think it's interesting. I think that does matter is to like have someone that you're beating in scrims to be like, look, we're not crazy, we're not stupid. Like, you know, these strategies do work sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we actually had a similar problem going into summer finals, actually where we were scrimming TSM and we were just getting like 
clapped every game. And then we went into finals, got 3 0 by TL. And then going into gauntlet practice, we were like, okay, let's not scrim strong teams and let's scrim like the weak teams that we have available and like fix our mistakes from there. And like if we struggle against these weak teams, then obviously we have like huge problems we have to fix. Um, so we started scrimming Clutch Gaming, who was looking like the weakest team in the gauntlet at the time. And we were still losing to them. And then we were like, okay, like, or we weren't losing to them, but it was like pretty even. We were like, okay, like we have a lot of problems to fix, but. Since we're not getting destroyed in scrims, it was like pretty noticeable what we actually had to change, and then right. we were able to go into Gauntlet and look a lot stronger as a team. Yeah, somebody in Twitch chat called it Smurfing Scrims. You guys are <laughs> <laughs> going down trying to find. That's I mean, just getting slammed in skill matchups is not like, oh, well, what'd we learn? Like, if yeah. that's what was happening, that's not really a good use of your time. Yeah. Yeah. Like, we'd, we'd scrim IG, like, maybe like, one game, like, I died solo to the shy, and then, like, mid lane would lose a 2v2, and then the game's just over. And it's just like, well, what would we learn? It's like, well, like, absolutely nothing. Uh, let's just go next game and hope it goes better. So, yeah. I, all right. <laughs> you yeah. see Twitch chat right now? Don't read it. No, don't, don't. <laughs> don't read it. Right uh, they've, been spam- they've been spamming that for a while. We'll, we'll bring yeah, it up this later. Yeah, this is the most it, it's gone. Yeah, it's, they've been gone crazy. <laughs> well, I'll, I'll bring it up later. Um, the biggest surprise in that whole huge story from Licorice, by the way, was that Clutch was screaming before Gauntlet. I, I was shocked to hear that. I, was, I had no idea. Uh, Russian is here. Russian, where are you calling from? Uh, I am in Edmonton, Alberta, Canada. My boy Licorice is from Calgary, if I'm not wrong. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Hell yeah. Not the location I was expecting to hear you were from. Uh, uh, most people don't, no. Yeah, I don't. All right. Anyway, what do you want to talk about on the show? Um, so I actually I uh, I sort of have two things. Um, but uh, first off, I want to sort of directly ask Licorice. Um, so as a uh, a rookie coming into Worlds, I imagine there's a lot of things you can probably take away from that, um, and a lot of things you can you know sort of learn from. Um, so for all of the rookies on C9, but specifically yourself. Um, what were the biggest things that you could take away from the experience and, and that maybe the rest of the rookies on your team or the rest of the rookies at the tournament you think could also take away that maybe you can't just learn playing in North America or playing in your, your region? Um, I think that the biggest thing you're going to take away from Worlds like coming in is like from the perspective of a rookie would just be like that these teams aren't like complete gods i mean maybe with the exception of like ig at this world's but like like they're all beatable and that like at the end of the day it's like a video game and when it starts like they don't have any advantage over you so like it should be winnable no matter what um in general i'd say that what i learned was just that i like as a player i should focus more on mechanical play as opposed to team play because i think that a lot of pro pro players sorry i get sucked into like only focusing on team play and then eventually you're just gonna like stop keeping up mechanically if all you worry about and all you look at is team play like 24 7 so like for me personally i just want to make sure that my mechanics are there yeah uh russian i don't know if you have other other thoughts on that it's kind of straightforward conversation i guess yeah, I just kind of sort of wanted to. I, I feel like um, 
I don't know. I, you may have touched on it in a couple of your interviews. I try and watch them all, but there's so many good quality Travis oh, Gafford yeah. interviews that I can't watch them all. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Um, but yeah, I just sort of kind of wanted the uh, kind of your take on that. Um, but the other thing was um, exactly what sort of everyone can take away from this world. So obviously, you know, a lot of been, people have been talking about the the skill gap closing or just in general you know the gap closing um but um i wonder if there's kind of some more um you know in previous uh, previous worlds i think people sort of just did a who can copy korea best sort of thing and i wonder if um you know, if some other regions in North America as well can sort of take that back to their home regions and be better, you know, at like home licorice, at worlds. Licorice, do you think that in the past, because like I, I see this repeated all the time and I never know if it's true. Um, and I know obviously, you know, you're uh, not a veteran when it comes to worlds, but do you think that it's just always a let's just copy the Koreans uh, and that this year, like that was the thing that changed? I mean, I don't have too much experience, obviously, since I like was coming in as a rookie. So I didn't play in the previous worlds. So I was right. only like watching as a spectator. Um, I think that. I mean, my honest take on it is that the Koreans like got too far ahead of themselves with their like take on the meta, where it's like they were playing League of Legends like. Like it was basically a solved game, and like to a certain extent, it is where. Like, they do a rotation, and then you shouldn't be in a certain spot, because, like, if you are, they could kill you. But since they're, like, since in, like, Korea, when they were playing against teams, they already moved past that, where, like, teams tried it, and then they got shit on for doing that, and then they stopped doing it, that they, like, moved past it, and then they kind of forgot, like, the basic reasons for why they play like they do. So you can catch them out a lot, like, making mistakes. I think it's a that specific thing happened a lot of times in like uh, lane swaps back when those were a thing. Is like people understood that like well the four O pushes or beats like this strategy like when eventually the the four O uh, fast push strategy like overtook the other ones and that's like what everyone did. But sometimes people would do things wrong that like if you weren't actually ready to punish would beat the 4-0 because like you're assuming no one's going to be in topside jungle because they're all going to be bot side also 4-0ing and then like you just kill their jungler who's not grouped up with this team correctly it's like is that the kind of stuff you're talking about where like they're just kind of skipping steps because this is just how the meta's played yeah like that that's kind of where i'm talking about where like they should like if you push a wave then you have to wait for like someone to show on the wave before you make a play but like they push the wave and then they're like well a korean player would come pick up that wave because if they're trapping and we just wait them out, like they'll just lose out eventually. But they forgot that like they have to wait for someone to like show on the wave and then they walk in and like there's four people sitting in a bush and you just die. Yeah. I think that's super cool. Also on on the topic of the meta, like do you think there were I felt like watching there were like more skill matchups being played in solo lanes than we're used to seeing that like resulted in a lot more heavily heavy focus on laning phase this tournament. Did you feel that way or did I mean, you were in other worlds and stuff, but like you've been playing through tank metas before. So, uh, I mean, I definitely felt that way. I think a lot of it actually had to do with the top lane meta, uh, where it wasn't just Maokai versus Orin, which, like, I mean, Orin's a new champion, but like every other world seems to be like 
when you get to more important matches, all the top laners just go to like these tank picks. But since Urgot and Aatrox specifically were just super strong, and like super strong into tanks specifically, it kind of led to like people trying to counter pick more with the with the carry champions. So I think it was just that if tanks aren't strong, you're gonna see like a lot more volatile matchups that are yeah. like more fun. <clears throat> it was so cool to see just all the like random flex picks and I don't know, just like champions that you wouldn't expect suddenly pop out and then all the play like Zazel said this thing in, in my interview where he's like, Yeah, like worlds, you know, the audience is only seeing a, a certain amount, right? Like they, they only see what's on the surface, right? Which is what happens. But like there's all these scrims going on behind the scenes. And so we'd see like a champion come out and be like, What the fuck? And meanwhile, like all the players are like, Oh yeah, they're doing this thing that like popped up in scrims and circulated around like a while ago. I don't know, it's it's like super fascinating to me. Uh, just sort of what this world's was from a meta perspective. And I'm like the least like meta focused analytical guy, but it, it was just really interesting to watch like how all that stuff transpired. Also it, is it safe to say that vitality just like single handedly like forced everything to change across? Like it seems like they caused this ripple across. I don't know if it, they're going to, how much is, that, yeah. How much of that is a Western narrative that we all want to believe versus like, do you think they, they really did influence everyone's kind of meta? Um, I don't know if they influenced everyone's meta. And I mean, coming into Worlds, we knew we had to play our own style, kind of. Like, Reaper's actually, like, a huge, like, throughout the whole year. Like, that's what he was talking about, how he wants to play champions. Like, we're comfortable on and we're good at. Um, I think that what Vitality did do, uh, for us especially, is just showed that, like, Genji and RNG weren't, like, unbeatable god teams. And, like, when they beat them, we were like, oh, yeah, like, we can beat them, too. So, um... As far as, like, actual meta picks, I think it had way more to do with just, like, Aatrox and Urgot, like, pushing the tanks out of top lane yeah. and leading people to experiment more with picks. So it wasn't, because Zazel also said in that interview that you guys had just watched how Vitality did it, and you were like, we should just, like, play that aggressive kind of crazy style. Maybe I'm paraphrasing, but that was the impression I had. That wasn't necessarily it. You were just saying they inspired you guys. Um, I mean, they definitely, like, we, we watched them beat genji and rng just like fighting them 24 7 and we were like yeah we probably can't win the macro game so let's just fight them and yeah. see how it goes yeah <clears throat> very good hey russian any final thoughts on the way out no i appreciate it um it's good to get some insight from uh someone on the inside yeah well thanks for uh thanks for calling in and thanks for being canadian uh <laughs> always yeah i mean you will be all yeah see ya <laughs> I see a fun question from Twitch chat. Top three top laners at Worlds, Licorice. Ooh. Um, based on my personal experience, I'd say it goes... Uh, I'd say first would be the Shy, obviously. Mm-hmm. Second would be... You can keep thinking on it. It's yeah. tough. Is it Wonder? Is it Whippo? Is it... I mean, it could be Smeb, but I don't really know. So maybe I'll leave Smeb like, out of this discussion. Is it Keen? Uh, I'd say 2 and 3 would probably be Keen. And then maybe Wonder. Like that, That'd probably be my top 3. Uh, I mean, while I didn't do the best against Whippo personally, I think that had I had... I mean, obviously, I'm going to be very biased in my take on this since I'm me. <laughs> 
and uh, I did play against Bifo myself, but I think that like even in the series against Afrika, like my issues were more with like I had problems playing against Victor the champion and less so the the like player. Yeah. And I think that like had I had different matchups, like it probably would have gone very differently. The echo was not a good choice. Yeah, uh, <laughs> the echo was. Uh, we didn't actually. So, like I said, scrims were going super badly leading into semis. So we actually stopped scrimming like two days before uh, semis, and we were just playing like a ton of solo queue and a ton of scrims, or a, a ton of solo queue and then like a little bit of flex queue towards the end there. And I never actually got to practice echo and scrims, and it was more just like I was playing some one v ones, and I thought it looked pretty good, and then we. Uh, Pulled it out on stage. I appreciate you admitting that because watching <laughs> you play Echo, no offense, like you died a lot of times without alting damage and stuff like that. Yeah. And like that's like the difference, you know, no offense. Like I'm sure you know this obviously. Like that's the, that's what really makes like good Echo players is like how well they use their ultimate and stuff like that. And so I was like, this doesn't look like something he has much experience <laughs> on. Uh, yeah. I mean, whatever that happens, shit happens. Yeah. So I mean, I, I just, I like personally, I'm gonna be a bit biased, but I'm gonna say that like, had like we played different matchups or we had like the space to van the victor in like either the Afrika series or the Fnatic series, I think top lane would have looked a lot different. By the way, some people might give you guys crap for when you just said that you stopped scrimming. Uh, uh-huh. What? Yeah. Do you want to elaborate on that before people? Okay. So like what I said before about the finals, where we like in in summer finals, we like stopped scrimming TSM and we went to clutch gaming and we were like, and we like figured out how to play again as a team versus clutch gaming. And I'm not trying to shit on clutch gaming here. I'm just saying like, they looked weak yeah. at the end of like coming into gauntlet. Like yeah, you, you smurf they didn't look like a strong yeah. team. Um, we didn't have anyone to like smurf scrims against in Korea. Like the weakest team we could play was damn one gaming. And like, like we saw like, uh, if you're, if you were looking at like fanatic players, Twitters, like I think reckless tweeted out, like, they're a world-class, like, caliber team. Like, if they were here, like, Korea would have been in the knockout stage. So, like, that was, like, the weakest opponent we could face. And we were just, like, we couldn't play well as a team, and we were just, like, getting smashed, like, individually in, like, every lane. So, at, at that point, like, we decided, like, it was just straight up better to just, like, play solo queue, fix our mechanics, and then just try to play, like, as a mechanically strong team. Yeah. Let's move on to the next caller. Uh, let's see who else do we got on this list. Uh, Danny One Y, Boba Colas on 100 bits, St. Louis Slayer 24, Hoge, Mellow Jello for 12 months. We got our second 12 month sub this uh, evening. Kyle 0808 gifted a sub to Sunny Sunny XK Brawler Yukon Squeak the Week nine months Chest Turtle, Ferdy IRL. Uh, keeping around Sir Malifact for four months. Tell Lakers, I think he's the best top player in NA. Was clearly the most consistent player on C9 during the regular season. Looked good even when they lost games, and you made us all proud at Worlds. There you go. Uh, Denny Nukes, uh, six months. I only sub for Mark Z. That's a terrible reason to sub. Connor <laughs> H314. Jen Genevieve Kuvo. Jenny Kuvo. Uh, Tiggs League. King of Seas. Prof Rib. Avoyu one for nine months. Uh, Tanuki. Cheese Peas. Uh, let's see. Arif, Arifel, 317. Poro on Mars for three months. Elvim Piracino. Mr. Get Owned. LP. 
Mark should be showing up any second. We're, we're all caught up. We're all caught up. Uh, we're all caught up on the stuff. Something happened. Hey, I missed it. Yeah, I, I had to. Uh, someone was spamming some shit. I banned him. Okay. Legendary Dog is joining. Legendary Dog, where are you calling from? Gertone, Florida. From Florida. Okay, very good. What do you want to talk about on the show tonight? Uh, I want to talk about the offseason that's, co- that's coming up and all the potential roster moves that could happen. Specifically, oh. will Cloud9 like, stay together? The Core 7, Golden Glue, Blabber, Sven Skarin, like Will everybody just stay together for at least one more year and potentially see what we, they can do, continue to grow as a team? So an interesting it's an interesting People. question to ask a player because they can't uh, always say. Yeah, I'm very, I'm I mean, very, obviously. Yeah, I know that, but I was like, with all the potential offers and teams like like Optic, for example, drop like basically dropping their entire roster. Like, off season could it be like? Do you think it's like spicier, like spicier than other off seasons? Like, um, off seasons and like more rookies could possibly come up more like in different imports from different regions could like make a splash in the NA in that sense. Yeah. I, I, so I'll start off and I'll let like, uh, think about how he's going to handle this. Um, I, so I think it's going to be, my concern is that it's prone. We're prone to being in a less spicy off season. Cause last season was like the craziest one. Cause you had new teams, you had teams that exited, you had a ton of money come in. All the franchises were under tons of pressure to make a big splash on their first year. They also, for the most part, if you look at the roster list, it's mostly uh, two to three year contracts that everybody's underneath. So a lot of them don't expire until the end of 2019. So you don't have a lot of free agents this offseason, etc. That being said, I really hope that there's a ton of movement because I think it would be good after a bunch of experiments failed last year to see uh, the teams do a ton of trades, movements, etc. I think that in order for North America to get better, we need to see like a lot of turnover and churn in some of these teams because I think overall we did not have a very good like if you look at the 10 line 10 man, sorry, the 10 teams that are the full lineup for NALCS, I think a lot of them are pretty bad this year. So in order for us to get to like 8 or 9 or 10 really good teams, I think we're going to need to see a lot of changes. Mark, I don't I know what your thoughts are. My thoughts specifically kind of relating to C9 is I love what they did this year. I love their approach. They also have a lot of good players on their roster, and I hope some of them get a chance next year to be just full-time starters. Uh, like, you know, Golden Glue obviously is one that people are talking about, and I, don't, I assume Licorice is not going to be able to comment on this, but I hope he gets some opportunities to play because there's a lot of teams that could use a native good NA mid laner, and Golden Glue had in the brief time that he played a, a really good showing. So I, I hope, I hope he gets another shot, stuff like that. Like Chris. Yeah. I mean, obviously <laughs> I can't say too much. Uh, and I'm not going to speak for any of the players, obviously, but, uh, I think that like cloud nine as an org was like happy with all 10 players to split. And they're going to be looking to keep like as many as possible. Yeah. Okay. Makes sense. I mean, uh, also, one more thing, like, uh, specifically, like, um, if, let's say, Worlds did, was able to implement the seven-man roster or something along those lines, would, and Golden Goo was allowed to play, would, like, do you think certain things would have been different in that sense? 
like um, in the way the team and like the way that like the team function. I mean, scrims definitely would have been different because if we had, I mean, if we had more players, we would have scrimmed with more players, and then just it would have just been based on how those went. Um, more than that, like I can't really know. Golden Glue would have come in in game three of the Fnatic thing and smash Caps's face in and just uh, push to win a five game series with Cloud9 going to finals. Is that what you're saying, Licorice? I think that's exactly what I just said. Okay, so. good. Yeah, I just wanted to clarify. I wanted to make sure that's what you were. You were. Saying. Last question. Wait, um, you had a last you know, question. Well, no, like it's really quick. Okay. Any like other people that you didn't really know until like you boot camped out in Korea that like taught you some new things, like specifically any top laners that you played against? Um, I mean, obviously, like the. This will probably come as a surprise to nobody, but the most standout player I played against was the Shy. And I mean, I think like playing against him, I mean, I lost a lot at first, but it got better. And I think I improved like mechanically a lot from just playing against him a lot. Yeah. Does is the feeling mutual though? Does the Shy like you? <laughs> uh, I don't know if he even knows who I am. <laughs> we were we were actually joking about that as a team where I'm like, yeah, he's my rival, but he doesn't even know. He yeah. doesn't even know me. <laughs> Uh, that's funny alright well thank you so much uh, Legendary Doc for the call thank you guys appreciate it Uh, moving on we got three more callers left Uh, we might end a little early tonight which would be okay Uh, I'll add more people if anyone shows up honestly it's it's kind of a lighter week so I I don't want to push indefinitely if if we end 15 minutes early it's not that bad Uh, Licorice can go chill out early Um, all right. Let's see. Mr. Get Owned, uh, Zacharelli, Diablo Burrito, and Poro on Mars, 100 bits. Why is nobody talking about Weldon on CLG yet? Nobody's called in. Nobody. People always get angry about how we don't bring up a topic, but if nobody pulls puts it in the chat, then uh, we don't end up doing that. Also, it's kind of hard for Likers to talk about Weldon on CLG since he's never worked with Weldon or been on CLG. Uh, so there's a whole off season talk about that. That's just By like the way, your opinion, man. There's a uh, sorry, really quick quick question before we go to slant. Uh, there's a question I'm seeing in Twitch chat right now, Lakers that says, "Hey, Lakers, Zazel told me you were scrimming <laughs> IG and you fell 80 CS behind the shy in 10 minutes. Can you tell me the story? I just thought I'd bring it up because it seems to relate a little bit to what you were just talking about. Yeah, so that that scrim game was probably like the most unfort- unfortunate scrim game I've ever played in my life. Um, Unlucky. So I was playing uh, Lissandra versus Kali, which is like we, we were like trying the matchup at the time. And uh, I told this story before on my own stream, but I'll tell it again here. Um, okay. Did Lickers so or did Zazel actually say this at some point in time, or did you? Is this the chat has just pulled this from your story? I think Zazel was talking about it on his stream, or okay. he like mentioned it briefly. But um, so I was playing Lissandra, and I was laning. I was level two, and uh, my jungler—I'll I'll leave it ambiguous, so you, you can guess which one it was—came uh, to yank top lane, and I was like, "Hey, like, let's wait for my W. It's up in five seconds." And of course, my jungler didn't listen to me, and <laughs> we went in. And we tried the gank, and like it turned into like a sort of tower dive where we were like under his tower trying to kill him. And then their jungler showed up and killed both of us. And then, so we both died for free. Uh, I TP'd back to lane, died again instantly. And my wave was pushing out. And also 
uh, something we learned later, the Akali Lissandra matchup is not that great in top lane. And then I just could not play the game from that point. And at 10 minutes, it was like 20 CS to like it's so It's so funny to imagine what that must have looked like from the other side. The Shy's just sitting there like, what is this? Why are we doing this script? This is a waste of my time. <laughs> People are literally inting in my lane. That's so if you had 20 CS, this is like a level 3 turret dive, I'm guessing? Uh, we, we were level 2. It was like a level 2 gank. And then... <laughs> <laughs> like he was like 100 HP under his tower so we both flashed forward and then their Leeson like flash shielded him and killed both of us uh, I love how you remember this so it's like a, a traumatic event you can play it all back you're like <laughs> he, he the best part is he can play yeah, someone else too <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah so I, I mean I was uh, after the game I mean we were joking around a bit since it was obviously like just like very unplayable like ridiculously like never seen anything that bad before kind of like level um so i mean i was playing my jungler my jungler was playing me so uh, it's all good beast player in chat says ig one worlds because they got to smurf scrim versus c9 which is <laughs> <The> confidence <laughs> builder dude yeah that's, the thing. that's what they guys- ig's like can we get some more of these c9 scrims it's like we're playing clutch or something uh <laughs> yeah fanatic lost because they couldn't scrim c9 yeah slant uh what are where are you calling from welcome to the show uh tampa Tampa, Florida. Tampa, Florida. What? This is our third Florida caller. Uh, thank you for bringing a Twitch sub. I think you've been on the show before. I have. It's been, it's been a while. Last okay. time I was here was when we you, you guys promised to do Miami. So it's been a, it's okay. been a hot minute. That was a good time. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, good to see you. And a uh, nice peach emoji is your... Is that because Florida is known for its peaches? Is that why you have a peach That's emoji? That's Georgia. That's Georgia. But uh, no, it's uh, I'm known in like three or four different discords for uh, what the peach emoji stands for. It's a it, it's a long story, but slant. Let's get into the topic. Yeah. What would so you like? I, I, ironically, yeah. I I my topic was about the shy kind of. So okay, I was good. Glad I could hear. Let's go uh, for it. Licorice's experience, but I personally thought IG was going to win the series three one at least. I thought that Fnatic would uh, win a game, but uh, I think that Fnatic lost. Um, but, I mean, also the draft. But I think that their solo lanes just weren't. Uh, we're never going to beat the other. T- uh, I do solo, which is, which is kind of an obvious statement now, um, having watched the games. But even before that, um, I mean, Licorice said, you know, like, I, I feel like even if you, uh, even if, you know, he said that, you know, like, like they, they towered up and they lost and whatever, but I don't think that a lot of top laners would be able to capitalize on that, like, so heavily ADCS in, you know, 10 minutes or whatever. Um, but, like, if you, if you go on, and it's hard to find stats from before the finals, but if you look at the knockout stage, like KDA, the top eight, all five IG are in the top eight. Um, which I think is a pretty like compelling stat. Uh, it's it's kind of hard to like balance that because obviously they you know made the finals so that they have more and they kind of like you know stomped on Fnatic so a lot of the numbers are increased. But yeah. I think it's just like uh, kind of insane to think about that uh, an entire team is the top KDA. I think that like the shy uh, over like Whippo was great. I mean he you know beat almost. I think I think I don't know what record was in the EU. I don't watch it, but all I saw from like the stats and the pregame were how good Whipple was this year and how Caps obviously has been amazing all tournament long. Um, and Broxa was insane in the group stage. Um, but I think that they're uh, like when they, I think they beat IG two times in the group stage, right? Um, yep. They beat them both on the same day. Yeah. Cause yeah, the tiebreaker, I think that both the reason that they were able to win those games and then the reason that they got so hard beat was 
um, their drafts were were able to like allow like allowable losses because I think I'm pretty sure in both those losses, Caps got stomped also. Right, right. So, so, so let's your, let's let's yeah, slow this topic? down a little bit because yeah, sorry, yeah, yeah. yeah we don't need to do here. hindsight analysis about the fact that Fanatic's better or yeah, worse well, than yeah, IG. obviously. Yeah. Uh, so I guess to rephrase your question, do you think Fanatic underperformed, or was this just what was expected to happen? Is yeah, that no, I think what that you're getting at. Yeah, I think it was like expected that like Fnatic, unless they super draft in a, in a way that like they can lose, uh, like their like their solo lanes and somehow still win. I think that like their the the IU solo lanes are so much more dominant than Fnatic's solo lanes that like there was so this was the inevitable. That they the finals the were inevitable, and it wasn't yeah, Fnatic like, just I, having. I, a I didn't think it'd be a three zero, but yeah. And okay, Lakers. Right, let's. What was your prediction going into finals? Going into finals, um. So actually, after we watched IG play versus uh, G2, I was talking to Reaper about it a little bit, and I was like, I mean, a little bit joke, like a little bit truth. I was like, yeah, I guess we play Fnatic tomorrow to find out who gets second place. Nice. Um, but I mean, I think that like IG as a team was all really strong. I think that the KDA stat is a bit weird because um, I think that like if you look at semifinals, I think like most people will agree that Jackie Love looked pretty bad and had a pretty bad performance against G2. Mm-hmm. But just through virtue of his team winning, like his KDA numbers are going to be really inflated, especially off of like two three O's in a row. So I don't think that like KDA is like the best stat to look at to like determine which players played the best. Um, and but, you're saying that I mean, despite the fact that KDA played such a big role in the opening ceremony. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I got some fun stats for people. Um, and this, I guess this will be my, my rant about Fnatic underperforming. Um, if people didn't know, Fnatic, three of their players, Caps, Soaz, and Bwipo, uh, were tied for, or first, second, and third. In or, well, the order is Hilly, Bwipo, Caps were first, second, and tied for third in deaths per game uh, for everyone who got out of groups. So anyone who played more than six games. And if you go back to MSI that Fnatic played in, once again, that's pretty much true. Caps was the tournament leader in deaths. So if people don't know and didn't realize over the course of the tournament in years that Caps plays, he's really, really aggressive and he puts a lot of pressure on people and either the opponent cracks or he cracks. And he was playing rookie and he cracked. And that's kind of Fnatic's play style. It was like they, they play very, you know, people say disrespectfully. They say over aggressive. You can say whatever you want, but they consistently play that way. They're just really good. I, uh, uh, IG, they're not better than them, so they, they get shit on. And League of Legends, if people didn't fucking know, is a zero-sum game. If you get a kill, someone had to die. This is not basketball where your two star players can drop 40 points on each other on different teams and like everyone looks fucking amazing as they dunk on each other. That doesn't happen in league. There's snowball mechanics and it's a zero sum game. So someone's <clears throat> going to look terrible if someone else is looking fantastic. So uh, this is a good place to maybe bring up this discussion in, in this topic. Uh, I, I, was, I wanted to ask about it on the shocks episode, which was, I believe, like episode 45 or something like that, let's say. There was a caller who called in and predicted that Caps would win the Dottie Award for... He doesn't. He doesn't Worlds. win the Dottie Award. And I'm curious if Caps wins the Dottie Award. Any thoughts? You can't get to the fucking finals and get the Dottie Award, dude. Yeah. Who gets the Dottie Award this 
Uh, I don't know if there is one. Somebody from Gen G Someone. or something? Probably, probably like all of Gen G. Yeah. yeah. Korea, Korea gets the Dottie Award? <laughs> <laughs> That'd be yeah. sick, yeah. Uh, uh, normally we give this award to a player, but this year we're going to be giving it to a region. Congratulations, Korea, on the Dottie Award. Uzi didn't even play bad. He played fine. He just didn't hard carry. And, I don't we know, should like, say Mark's responding to chat. People spamming Uzi in chat. Yeah, sorry. It's, it's in chat. I was replying to What do you yeah. think, Licorice? Who wins the Dottie Award, or what do I think about Uzi? Yeah. If if you had to give a Dottie award, who would you give it to? Who would I give it to? So I mean, caps. it has to be. <laughs> it's I, not I caps. Think it's I think it's. It has to be a Korean player, but I, I don't know which one I'd pick. All of them. I think Crown. Crown looks pretty poopy. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, but he wasn't overhyped. Nobody was like, Crown's yeah, gonna take it. That's, that's true. It was yeah. a weird world. It has to be to, like, some Genji, maybe. Like I, I don't know. I, I can't give it to a team, but like Genji as a team was really hyped up. But like, even when they won worlds, it wasn't because everyone was like, "Oh yeah, like Crown's the best mid laner in the world." It was because like Crown played Balzahar three games in a row, and they had super good team play. So I, I'd, I'd give it to Genji if I could do that. Yeah, I think what's weird about this world is like even teams that should have gone further that lost, their star players largely were fine. So like, I think Keem was was okay, not as good as he should have been, but. In the game, the series that they lost, he did okay. I don't know, but do you? I mean, it does feel like based off of all the conversation I've been hearing, people should feel pretty disappointed in Cap's performance this world. I don't know, should you? Yeah, better than last year, yeah, sure. But like, he's a really like you know, hit or miss, feast or famine kind of guy, and like, he got to finals, he had some really good games, some games he died a lot. Like, that's always been the case i don't know why you would be disappointed that that was what happened again he had a lot of really amazing games too okay i just that's what i've been hearing so i just want to throw it i think i think the people who who are surprised at how fanatic lost like probably <clears throat> bought into too much hype i don't i don't know like like i said this is a similar tournament to what happened at msi but fanatic were a better team this time mm-hmm. around but like the 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 tale is largely the same of, of what happened. Yeah. Somebody it says we should give the Dottie Award to Licorice. Licorice, how do you feel about that? Do you, are you the recipient Ooh. for the Dottie Award? I think that for play-ins and group stage, I think I was smurfing. Uh, and then I think after that, I th- like personally, I think it's because of the Victor pick. Uh, but obviously I didn't perform as well in the knockout stage. Yeah. So if you can give like stage specific dot a awards, maybe, but I think that worlds as a whole, I did pretty well. Yeah. Okay. So going, so it sounds like science original topic, which was just fanatic was overhyped going into the, to the finals and got exposed. Like we expected them to be, which I think is kind of what you were saying, right? Slant. Yeah. Just that like, you know, people were saying like, Oh, it's a 50, 50, you know, three, two, but you know, last game could go to eating one. I feel like that was just like, Buying in, yeah. into the fact that like Broxa is was like super good in the, in the group stage, like you cannot take that away. Like he he, he hard carried some games and like he was super good. But like sure. it's not like Ning is just like you know a bro, like you know silver player. Like it's not like the Ning is no one. You know like, no one is no one could have called that Ning would you know go five zero and eleven or whatever sure. it was. But I, but I don't I don't think it you. Right. <clears throat> but like, Licorice, yeah. you you felt like. IG was going to win before you even got out of before even the, your semifinals match took place. Yeah, I actually want to jump in super quick. Yeah. Um, 
personally, I thought from watching the semifinals games that Ning was actually like playing out of his mind even in semifinals. And not a lot of people were saying anything about him in semis. But I think that like like what what actually really stood out to me specifically was that uh when G two was like going for ganks with Yankos, Ning was always like in the area and like ready to fight them if he wanted to, but he like would just back off, which is like that kind of like restraint of being in the right place and then like not pulling the trigger at the same time because you just like know that you're gonna win eventually anyways is like actually like insane to me as a player. It's like something you like almost never see. And I think Ning like maybe I don't know about quarters, but for semifinals and finals he was playing out of his mind. And I think like he was the best jungler at worlds at that point. Yeah. Hey Slant, thank you so much but, for the call. No problem. Glad I could help. Yeah, Liquor's favorite favorite top laner. Have, have a good one. Enjoy your Florida peaches. I will not. Right, he's gone. Um, <laughs> somebody in chat keeps spamming. Frost Slasher in chat keeps saying, can you tell Mark why did they put all-star vote during Worlds? I didn't even know the voting was happening. This has been a weird misconception with this episode alone. Mark does not. He's not an employee of Riot Games. He's like a freelance talent I'm person. An in, I'm an independent contractor. Yeah, he's an independent contractor. Mark is not in the meetings when they're deciding to announce all stars during worlds well, and voting. By the way, no talent is in that meeting anyways. Like even if I was a full time red badge, red name motherfucker, I'm not in that meeting. Yeah. So you're you're two layers away from it. We don't know. Yeah. We don't know. Uh let's move on. We got two callers left. And licorice is free. Uh Akatamasama the thank you for the Twitch Prime. Poor on Mars sent another 100 bits. Uh, Brandon Manuso sent 100 bits. Uh, Killing You Guy hosted me with five years. Thank you. Lost Divine Hero, two months. Uh, hey, Travis. Hey, Mark. And good job, Licorice at Worlds. Nobody ever says good job to me at Worlds. Bell Pepper, <laughs> subscribe. Thank you. That's because you left before you were knocked out, dude. You just fucking quit. I knew what was coming, okay? I was you saw like, the three O's coming. I was like, Cloud Nine's gonna get three O. They're not gonna do an interview with me afterwards. I don't want to see. I don't want to be around for that. I'm gonna, I'm gonna go interview people at TwitchCon. Denny Nukes is returning to the show. Denny Nukes, welcome to it's our six month anniversary. Okay, yeah. Well, I re I remember you had a hot take last time. I think you yelled at me last time, didn't you? No, I didn't. No. There was. We I had, don't remember, but I'm gonna say you did. We had a confrontation last time. You weren't here, Mark. Oh. Yeah. Dan oh no. Yeah. I said. I said that I always have really good topics, and last week was my worst topic ever. And you pulled me. Yeah. Anyway, like I just threw that out because I was like, maybe I'll get on, but like I didn't think so. Yeah. But, well, yeah. Uh, I it was great too because I had you turned down to thirty five percent last week, and apparently I I need to. You're very loud. Uh, uh, sorry. Thank. No, no, it's all good. Thank you for bringing a Twitch sub. Um, and it looks like you're in a ranked game right now. No, no, I'm not. I'm just in a lobby. Okay. What do you yeah. want to talk about on the show tonight? Um, I want to talk about uh, Apto, the uh, TF god. He uh, recently had a video translated and where he says that there's uh, no such thing as an aggressive player or a defensive player. There's just better and worse player. And that um, be and that's like a terminology that gets thrown around because casters aren't like allowed or I guess it would be a bad taste to just call players outright bad or underperforming. And uh, I, I don't know, I just wanted to bring that up, maybe especially to Licorice, because, like, I feel like he's kind of a victim of this, because, like, you always hear him talk about, like, oh, he's a carry player, he's an aggressive player, 
And like in reality, the caster should just say he's really like really good and smurfing on kids in the top lane. And uh, yeah, I don't know, stuff along those lines. And like the meta excuses, like when people are saying like, oh, like aggressive play, this world was like rewarded or like the meta shifted and people weren't prepared. When in reality, it's just like kind of making excuses for like the underperforming teams when like the best team won. Okay. Um, I don't know if I'd agree with saying that there's no such thing as a defensive player um, because I think uh, to, to clarify just before you answer, uh, I don't think he, he said that there's no such thing oh, like a, a defensive, a good defensive player. R- right. Well, so like uh, I think this is also going off a translation of someone. So I'm not exactly sure exactly how clear it is, but this is, this is the quote that is on reddit is casters can't outright call players bad that's why they created the term defensive player you can't play defensive if you have a clear wide vision in the game look at ning in the final he saw every chance he could get and committed to it you call that aggressive no it's just that he saw opportunities that bad players could not there are no lunatics at the world stage that go for an aggressive gank with a baseless assumption that kind of player can't reach worlds defensive players just don't have what it takes to see that kind of opportunity and that defensive players was in like air quotes it's all the same for laners. Aggressive players are just good enough to dominate their opponents. Even when you are playing a defensive role, good players will play aggressively. You naturally become aggressive if you're better than your opponent. Um, so I'm not quite sure if that there's one line in there where he says, like, even if you're playing a defensive role, good players play aggressively. Mm-hmm. I think I think he's like kind of admitting that like you don't, you're not getting draft resources, so you're in like bad matchups or something. But he's saying like. That, that was my interpretation, but I'll let you answer. Yeah, I mean, that's what I thought, too, like, w- what your take was. That, like, he was saying, like, if you're in a matchup that's, you know, might be, like, 60-40, like, favorite of the other guy, you're still making them work for that 60% win. You're not just, like, I feel like NA pros, and, like, I watch a lot of NA LCS, obviously, and, like, but I just started this summer watching a lot of EU, and I've always watched a lot of LCK. But, like, I've noticed a lot that, like, NA, like, seems to have this, like, bad habit of, like, oh, I'm in a bad matchup, so I'm just going to sit under tower and, like, you know, catch farm and try not to fall too far behind. But then when you have, like, the EU LCS, and, I mean, especially in China, they just like the brawl, but, like, the LCK, too, like, you'll see, or even the Shy, like, in Worlds, he was on a Scion game, and he was, like, fighting under towers. Like, I feel like you kind of see, like, the NA, like, they just want to catch farm and use their ult and, like, their TP, like, uh, for the team. But, like, in, the like, the lane dominant metas or the lane dominant regions uh they just like make team they make the other team work or the other players work in lane more yeah. so than NA. so, so licorice right. i'd like to hear you speak yes me too <laughs> yeah, sorry. yeah um i mean obviously the perfect player like even if they're in a bad matchup if they see a window to trade they'll go for it and they should go for it and if you see like that kind of window you should but i think that at a super high level. Like, I mean, Opto was saying, like, if you have crystal clear vision and you know exactly what's going on, then, like, you should go for, like, smart plays. And obviously you should, but... Like, for example, let's say uh, for IG, when they... So, in scrims, they would, like, split scrim time between Duke and the Shy. And when they had the Shy in, they would only play towards topside and they'd make sure that the Shy had vision so that he could play super aggressively and, like, try to dominate his lane. But when they played with Duke, they played more like mid bot side, and Duke would play a lot less aggressive, and like because he just didn't have the vision to know if the jungler was there, 
and he wouldn't like really try to dominate his lane, and that completely like changed the team's playstyle. Um, I mean, obviously at Worlds, IG looked better with the Cheyenne, and that playstyle of just like playing around him and having him dominate his lane was good, but I don't think that saying that, I mean, you can say that Apto was saying like a defensive player will find like good windows, but a lot of the time you can't really. Like, I think if I was going to point at a single player, I would say that Letme is like the perfect example of like a player who just like plays defensive. He doesn't let you get an advantage from his lane for the most part. And just like lets Uzi carry. And maybe he could find more trade windows, but I don't think that when you say let me as a defensive player, you're saying that he's a bad player. Like, I think that that's wrong, personally. Yeah. I think I'm pretty much aligned with you. I can see like Apto's point, and I definitely agree that like casters, because this feels more of anything like a criticism of casters than like saying there's no such thing as aggressive or defensive players and that one is bad i think i'm hoping if i'm understanding what he's saying is it's more like there's this general term that is thrown to players who are like playing safe probably to a fault and they call them defensive players um and i would say that's probably true so i don't think i disagree with them there i would definitely disagree if he's saying there's no such thing as like play styles of players and teams and it's just good and bad, because I think that's not true at all. Yeah. I mean, a lot of the time in League, you're not going to have perfect vision, is basically my point. So that even if you're in a losing matchup, if you take like what looks like a good trade to you, but their jungler happens to be there, and then all of a sudden you died and you're giving up top tower when you had no vision and your job was to like play safe, then like, you can't always know if you're going to get punished. So like a player like Let Me will just... like not punish you in that kind of scenario and i don't think that that's necessarily the wrong thing to do right and even to your like duke versus the shy example like it's mm-hmm. it's in-game resources where it's like we're gonna camp for the shy so he can shit on kids and it's like yeah he is playing more aggressive than duke but his team is giving him the opportunity to actually play that way it's it goes beyond just like duke's passive and and the shy is more aggressive or something it, it might also just come out or like come to fruition in draft because I remember it, either in the playoffs or maybe in the regular season, like TL had a, a chance to really punish a Singer or something in mid lane, and then they put pole belt on a rise. And like I think I think you were either or someone was casting the game. They're like, oh, we want to see like maybe this matchup or Aurelius something's good into this, and then they're like, oh, there's the rise. Like, and I, I feel like that's maybe also what he's talking about, like the opt for safe farming out picks rather than oh, we have a clear chance at a draft advantage and a lane advantage. And then you just opt to go away from it. Yeah, I mean, also, I, I can't remember the specific example, but sometimes it is to do with like um, uh, you know, overall draft strategy as well. Like maybe you can counter pick your lane, but it's a really, really volatile matchup and you need jungler attention and you already have two other matchups that need jungler attention. And so you just pick something that's like more neutral and. You know, it's not even like a, I'm a passive player and I chose to do this. It's like, this is what my team told me they wanted me to do. And I'm a team player and I listened kind of thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> hey, Danny Nukes, thanks so much for the call. Uh, thank you for having me again. Two weeks in a row. Yeah, this is awesome. <laughs> Have a good yeah. one. All right. One Lick last rice. One last caller to go. Funny story. When we when we were casting you at the start of a challenger, you were playing like Maokai nonstop. 
Yeah. You remember that shit? And you had like Gilius and Fox or whatever, mostly like just hard camping mid every single game. Yep, I do remember and, that. Yeah, we're like, man, Licker is just such a tank player. He's so good at it, of course. Like, he's just playing Maokai and like getting sick engages all the time, but he's, he's a tank player. And then like your coaching staff was like, no, he's definitely a carry player. We just make him play tanks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, uh, back in Challenger, like in Solo Q, I think like my most played by far was Fiora. And then at the time, Valkai was just like this broken stat ball of a champion where you just press R, they gave you like damage reduction, you like clap over your head and then just go in 1v5, don't die, and like kill their AD carry. So, I mean, when a champion's that broken, you kind of just have to play it regardless. All right, uh, last caller. <clears throat> well, there's no no other Twitch subs or anything to shout out right now. Um because there hasn't been any in 12 minutes, so we'll we'll just sit here quietly. Wait patiently. Sounds like a good time. Yeah. It's, uh, nice. How, how are you doing, Lickers? Uh, I'm good. I got some nice mood lighting going on Yeah, right no, now. it's great. I really like it's it. Good. Oh, Steve the Sleeve 1 has subbed. There we go. Helping to break up the monotony of this break. <laughs> there we go. And Billy Bob Joe 7771, nine months in a row with the Twitch Prime. Ballin. Sammy Boy is here. Sammy Boy, uh, where are you calling from? Uh, Chicago. Chicago. Very good. The Windy City. Yes. Um, <laughs> what do you What do you want to talk about on the show tonight? Uh, so my hot take is that I think LCS post-game interviews are really, really boring. And um, I think the point of an interview is either to showcase player personality or no. to give some insight into the game. Now are you saying um, like my post game interviews or the, broadcast? no, no, I'm talking about LCS interviews. Okay. okay, ones okay. That, are that was okay. I didn't want to have to kick somebody out from the show. That, that <laughs> the ones that are like three or four minutes right after yeah. the game. Um, so yeah, I think uh, interviews should either like give personal, uh, give the um, player some personality or should give you some insight into the game as a viewer. Um, and I don't think the post-game interviews do either. The questions are usually like really cookie cutter. And because the questions are so generic, the answers that come from the players just get more and more boring every time they're asked. Um, and I just don't feel like they, they serve any real purpose. I'm, I'm not 100% sure on how to change them. I know it's kind of like a fact that the medium, like there's not that much time. So you can't ask really deep or insightful questions, but the way they work right now is just kind of, it's bland and it's kind of a waste of time. So just to hop in real quick, apparently Faker's in the chat. No, he's not. He's not. Uh, someone, someone gifted a Somebody sub to Faker. Somebody gifted a sub to Faker. And that makes them go to the chat? No, he never was in the chat. He's never been in the chat. But if you press at Faker, it shows up, which usually isn't the case if they're not there, right? Faker's in a game. Yeah, I know he's in a game. I don't know. He has two fucking monitors. Maybe he got gifted and he's like, what's this shit? And clicked in. He's not he's not know. in the uh he's not in the list. Faker was never here. I don't believe okay. it. Can we I was just saying because maybe Sam, Sammy Boy, I'm sorry. I like I like Sammy Boy, but you know <laughs> if, if Faker was around, I'm kicking <laughs> I'm kicking everyone out. Anybody, everybody. Licorice is taking a backseat, then everybody. <laughs> Everybody's just spamming at Faker. He's in the middle of a game. Yeah. He's not here. I don't think he's here. No, I agree. I just went and looked at it. 
But he might be on delay, actually. Who knows how long his delay is, dude? His game just ended. Is he here? Oh, my God. <laughs> Listen. Faker's Licker, been a fan you of, answer the question. I'm going to AFK Faker, watch Faker's stream and see Faker's if Faker's been a fan of, of my right. stream for a while. And uh, if he's here, it's just an, a standard day for me. You know? not I'm not surprised by it. Mark. Yeah. You don't have any thoughts on the the. It was to Licorice. He's he's the one who gets interviewed. <laughs> Licorice, do you think that the post game interviews are boring and don't do enough to promote you? Um, I, I don't think I agree. Um, I think that like the interviews do like sometimes they are boring and like sometimes the players' personalities don't shine through. But I think it's more of an issue with the players as opposed to the interview and the interview questions. Um. I think that if you're going to ask like super spicy interview questions, then right after like LCS players have played a game, they're a lot of them are going to hate that. And they're going to be like, what are these, what are these questions? Like you're trying to get me to like shit talk right after a game. Like, I just want to say like my team did really well and like move on. So I think that it's, it's more like on a player. Like if they want to have like more spicy interview questions, uh, I think usually like, like, Avali is around backstage. She does most of the interviews. Uh, I, if you find her, like you could ask her, like if you, you could ask her to ask you like specific questions after the game. Like she would probably like do that for you, and then you could have like the more inter- interesting interviews. That's gonna let you like showcase yourself more, or maybe you can like opt into that. But I don't think that changing up the interview questions just like out of nowhere is gonna be good for the players at all. Yeah, I mean, I think if you look at what was the the interview that TL did about the uh, where they called Golden Glue and they like what did they call them the Bros the Swole Bros the Swole Bros yeah like that's like a, a situation where I don't think the questions were changed but it was it allowed the players to like the players still found a way to like be entertaining and interesting mm-hmm. and uh, and so yeah I mean that's that's the thing I I oftentimes feel like I'm in I have like a, a great advantage over any post game interviewer from the broadcast because I have not unlimited time, but a great deal of time to do the interview. And the players have usually like they're coming off stage. I mean, like uh, maybe I'm, correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel like you guys are coming off stage. It's like, oh, we just won. You're not like in the mode to be like Mister Charisma. Uh, you're kind of like, oh shit, we just won the type. Um, I I don't know. Like I I expect it's it's easier to be more yourself and joke around and that kind of thing. 30 minutes later than it is to do it fresh off the game. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. I feel like after a game, usually I'm just there and I'm like, man, I hope I don't mess this interview up and say something I'm not supposed to more <laughs> than like, I'm like trying to come across as like charismatic or funny or anything. I'm just like, yeah, I hope I don't like bomb this interview. And then that's kind of like how I go into it. And then I don't think I've bombed an interview yet. So yeah, uh, I'd, I'd say I've done pretty well, but I, I think that's how most players probably look at it. Um, so I'm not sure how you could go about fixing that, but I don't think it's on the like interviewer side of it. Yeah. Um, Mark's webcam. Mark went to the wrong webcam and he doesn't care. No, it's, it's just not registering my webcam because Skype sucks. Uh, and I'm too lazy to fix it on the last caller. Sue me. Oh, Fig- apparently the stream yet. hiccuped. I don't know why the stream hiccuped. That's weird. Spectrum. Uh, yeah, I've just been watching Faker, and he he has not watched us. He's playing a ping pong game. Okay. 
Do you have any thoughts it, on this, Sam? Uh, for Sammy Boy, I um, somewhat agree that sometimes it's like you know generic questions are like, "How do you feel after that win?" Uh, and it's like, yes, a player could go out of the way to make that fun, but it's not on its own, and it's not in depth and insightful. And like ninety nine percent of the time, you're going to be like. 99% of players, 99% of the time, are going to say, like, yeah, happen to pick up that win. Maybe it wasn't that clean, yada, yada, yada. And sometimes play, it's like certain players like Dardock or Double If will be like, man, that game fucking sucked. I'm not happy we won. What the mm-hmm. hell? Um, so I think some of those, like, really, really generic questions, maybe you could say, are, are causing some of it. But I think a lot of times, to Licorice's point, like, if you wanted to have an interesting interview, you easily could make it interesting. But for pro players a lot of time like you said they're just not it's just like not what they do yeah so if the interview isn't interesting 95 percent of the time is it worth having at all that's that's kind of the question i'm asking like i know it doesn't it probably doesn't take a whole lot of production resources <clears throat> to do the interviews but i i just feel like they're pointless unless somebody like dardock or double lift is giving the interview i, I, I feel like I, I it feels saying. bad to have no interview after most of the games and then only every now and then do one for like a player who's popular and i wasn't saying 95 percent of the interviews are boring i was saying that like some questions are really generic and those are usually boring but like i find most of the interviews i will hear one to two at least things that i find interesting about how scrims were going that week or a champion that got picked or what they think of another opponent or something like that and so like i would still say the vast majority of interviews do have good good valuable information in there for a viewer maybe it's not hilariously engaging or anything like that but i, I think most of them are, are are pretty good yeah uh all right any final thoughts our friend Sammy Boy. Um, no, I think we kind of covered everything. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, thank you so much for calling in. Thanks. Yeah. All right, uh, that is the show. Nobody go anywhere because uh, I need. I'm going to be gifting some subs and giving an RP card away in a second. But uh, Mark, any shoutouts, plugs, anything you want to say here at the end of the show? Uh, nope. I had a lot of fun. I appreciate Licorice coming on. It was good talking with him. Uh, it's the off season, so all of us are just going to try and find ways to entertain ourselves. Usually, that means I will make a couple really stupid videos in the coming months. Uh, maybe some more ASMR. That was a banger. A lot of people like that one, so we'll see. Also, shout out to Faker for actually being in chat. I know you're saying, but he's here. Do you, I don't see him in the list. If you type at Faker, though, it shows up. I don't know how it works. Maybe because they got gifted a sub or something? I don't know. It is weird. Well, I'm going through viewer list now, yeah. Licorice. What do you yeah, got for us? What shows, plugs, anything you want to say here at the end? Um, I don't really have too much, but thanks for having me on the show. You stream. Fun. Oh, yeah, I do stream. Uh, Twitch.tv slash licorice, LOL. And then my Twitter is right above the video of me, so that's right there. Cool. What well, you were going to say something, though. Before uh, I just think, thanks for having me on the show. Thank yeah. you as well. Thank you. Thank you for coming on the show. I really appreciate it. We were, I was at BlizzCon, Worlds was happening, all stuff, and then it was like, oh, I need a guest for the show. And uh, you you were down, so I really appreciate it. Hey, Licorice is a sweetheart. He all is. right. You've, yes. you've been at houses when he's around and he's super nice. 
Weren't it at the start of the year you didn't know him and you were like nervous about walking up and just talking to him randomly, Travis? No. I feel like I remember this distinctly. <laughs> I like how many pro players have I been have I met over? I literally never get uh, shy or nervous about not not to nervous, him. but just like I don't know what he's like. I mean, I don't know. I didn't know what he was like. Yeah, and I was like, just go up and talk to him. He's really nice. And, and then you're like, meh. Hey, the Bear Six are coming on the show. This has been Hotline <laughs> League episode 53. Really appreciate it. Uh, hopefully everyone watched it. We do put this out uh, audio podcast-wise. It's on Spotify. I hear the dive isn't on Spotify, but our show is. Oh, shit. We're on Spotify? Yeah. Let's fucking go. You can go search Hotline League on Spotify. The, wow. show's, uh, the show's a big deal. A lot of people watch it. A lot of important people. People like Faker. Thanks, everyone, for watching. It's Hotline League 53.